Escape from Plan A. from Plan A Podcast. Today, Teen and I are talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi. So if you're a Star Wars fan and you haven't seen it yet, you better level up and you better see it because it's been out for almost a week now. And also, this podcast has tons of spoilers, so consider yourself warned. Yeah, this is a spoilers, this is a spoiler full podcast, right? That's how we're going to do it? So there were like 25 trailers before the movie actually came on. You saw it opening weekend too, so you got... The same ones that I got. Like, there was Avengers Infinity Wars, which looks really good, and so does Black Panther. What about uh, Miracle Season? Like, I was cracking up <laughs> for the whole trailer, <laughs> and not in a good way, because it's not a comedy. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. That one, and um, there's that Natalie Portman in the Predator-looking movie. Like, that is going to tank so hard. Okay, I <laughs> I have no idea. They didn't show that one, but is it? it's a Predator? It's an actual I'm Predator I'm pretty movie? sure you got that one. No, it's not Predator. It's just, it's Natalie Portman, and there's, like, these aliens, and she's carrying, like, a machine gun, and she's out in the jungle, and it looks it looks very Predator-like. Oh. Like, her husband, her husband was in the military, and oh. she is a military biologist or something. So like, no, so I, 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 I didn't know. get that one. I, it looks, it just looks so bad. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was there early too. I caught all the stills, the digital stills where they tell me to donate to this or that yeah. charity. But I didn't. Hey, they didn't give me that one. I have to look it up. They did do um, a Wrinkle in Time, which is interesting. Right. Yeah. You know, I never read that. I, mean, I never read that book growing up. Not, I can. But I, I know the cover. See the movie. I, I remember the cover. It was like an abstract painting. Was there a unicorn on it? I don't remember, but I, I never read it either. I don't know. It was everywhere. I can't remember. It was everywhere. Like it was when you I walk into like your I have school to library. Hurry up and read the book now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it was what? like so popular back in the day. Yeah, I know. It was like Bridge to Terabithia or one of those read must read books for like you know elementary school kids. <laughs> there was like I don't know. Those were like super intense books back then. I don't know about now whether they still do that. Bridge to Terabithia was intense because he intense. died. Yeah. Same with um. Remember that book, a separate piece. Yeah, I, I never read that either. Oh, that one was pretty intense too. Um, but one thing about the trailers is, oh, I was excited that um that the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be in Avengers. There was that reveal like right at yeah, the end. Yeah, me too. That that might be kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, Avengers, I feel like those are like guaranteed hits, so it'll just come out when it comes out. It was like no big surprise. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the <laughs> one thing is, it's like, you know, all the trailers are the same now. They hit you with that that bass. They accentuate all the scene changes with like this deep pounding like bass, like boom. And then it changes scenes. Right. And then it's like and super And then it, it, um, it gets really quiet and then it comes back. Ex- yeah. Like just when you thought we were done with bass, here's more bass. If you're like, oh my God. <laughs> totally tired of it. and it's so loud it's so it's loud so freaking during the loud. trailers yeah yeah and i'm like whoa this is a this is a movie about girls high school volleyball why is there so much bass in this <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of trailers let's start talking about star wars the last jedi i thought that looking back and like rewatching the trailers leading up to the movie they were so clever because you've got luke skywalker in the trailer saying this is not going to go the way you think. They were setting us up, and they I have to hand it to them. Like, mission accomplished. Those, tra- those trailers were edited in a way that, that make us think that things are going to happen that never actually happen, and that conversations are being had between completely different characters than we think are actually having these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really good teaser line is when, when he said that. I you know before we talk about it I I kind of want to set the scene here because usually uh I don't want to generalize but usually it's like the guy that's like the huge Star Wars nerd but that's not yeah. the case here you're 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 much deeper into the mythology I feel than me I I, have I know an my Star X-wing Wars X-wing tattoo Yeah you have an you're freaking X-wing on you <laughs> Yeah a good one it's at that It's not just a passing interest I'm a I'm a pretty big fan Uh-huh <laughs> 
like that, like all stretching all the way back, I assume to the uh, to the original trilogy. So I didn't see the I saw the original trilogy as a kid, but not in the theaters because I wasn't born yet for like the first two movies of the trilogy. So I think I might have seen. I think I saw them all on like VHS somewhere in my childhood because I was already very familiar with all the original trilogy when they re-released the original trilogy in theaters, I think in, um, what, like 90, right, right before the prequels came out. Yeah. I think the first prequel was like right. They re-released them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was in college when Phantom Menace came out. And I was already very, very familiar with the original trilogy, and I'd seen them a number of times, and I had my favorite characters and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately for me, the prequels, well, I guess if you want to count the original trilogy re-release, yeah, I saw those in the theater, you know, as a re-release, but the prequels were the first ones that I had to see for the first time in the theater. Right. Which sucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so, but I mean, even then, like, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing the prequels alone don't draw people as deep into it as the original. And I feel like the original, like, watching this and then the two prior, like the um, the Rogue One and then the Force Awakens, like, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like they don't really try. I mean, they are separated by a, apparently a lot of narrative time between the two, but mm-hmm. it, it, I feel like they kind of go about as if they don't exist. Um, which may be, which may be for the best, I guess, but they're, they're very tied to the original trilogy. And I guess my overall reaction to the movies up to this point, the new ones is I I try to keep an open mind to them because I go in expecting sequels because this is what they are, right? They're at least the, the, um, Force Awakens and and the Last Jedi were, are sequels. And I, uh, I, because they're sequels, I really, uh, went into it expecting Basically, Star Wars, to me, 4 and Star Wars 5, like, turn the trilogy into, like, you know, six movies now. And I feel like yeah. they're not really going that way. Like, there is... There, oh, no, they're not at all. Yeah, there, there is a reboot element to it, and it kind of makes my expect... It kind of blows my expectations, because these are not the movies I... Ex- these are not the movies I was looking for. <laughs> uh, but that, that doesn't no, mean they're the bad. the heart of all the backlash and people walking away, not liking it... Or not sure if they like it and being disappointed is the fact that director Ryan Johnson has us questioning if the original trilogy is like the end all be all of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of fans have a hard time trying to fathom that. It's not playing by the rules of the original trilogy. Like, how much of the canon should we still take into consideration? How much of those force rules that we've come to know still apply? Like, think about how much clout the Empire had. Like, the First Order is nothing like the Empire. It's in shambles. There's, you know, by the end of The Last Jedi, there's no more supreme leader like Snoke or the Emperor. Yeah, the original Empire was like the British Empire at its height. And I don't know what the First Order or the, is. Or too. the Nazi. Yeah, or the Nazis. Yeah, I think they try to give a little bit of Nazi imagery to the First Order in the, fir- in the first... Oh, in the, the First Order, yeah. Yeah. But the first year, you're right. Like the first order, it doesn't seem as imperial as uh, the empire. I guess no, not know. at all. Yeah, yeah. And so that was I another mean, that, thing the, that I heard. So the opening, so some of the opening scenes, like you have that ex- that phone conversation between Poe Dameron and Hux, which is, I that, as an opening scene, I thought it was great because the battle sequence was great. Yeah. And then you've got that comedic, like Poe is. Um, Poe is just totally fucking with Hux on the phone. And it's very Marvel movie comedy. It is very Marvel. And it's very, um, it's not the same kind of, con- like the first, the original trilogy was very funny. Primarily. It, yeah, it was. F- primarily through Han Solo too, right? Um, and Poe po is kind of the Han-ish character, the Solo-ish character. Mm-hmm. And it's totally yeah. a different kind of humor or something. And I felt like the reaction to that, that, um, that joke was probably like just created divisiveness immediately i think ryan johnson said he kind of knew that would happen and he was he was saying like he kind of wanted it to happen just to sort of like shake up people's expectations of what this movie was going to be like and i think i kind of mm-hmm. fell i tend to fell, fall just my gut reaction a little bit on like uh they're trying to be cute uh i mean it was fine i it, i did laugh but 
again, I, it was it was upsetting my expectations of this being Star Wars five versus new trilogy I mean, number two. I have to come clean. I have to come clean. I spent the entire weekend just going hard and complaining nonstop about this movie. Mm. And I left the theater with more questions than answers, which after Force Awakens and Rogue One, I'm not used to doing for Star Wars film. So I have to say this is, I have to give it to Ryan Johnson. This is the second movie in a trilogy. And the second one is always the hardest to make. Like I went back and I rewatched Empire Strikes Back and I can see where the comparisons are coming from. So Empire Strikes Back is widely considered to be the strongest of the Star Wars film and the most critically acclaimed. And as Star Wars fans, we all love Empire Strikes Back so much. Like everyone, when you rank your Star Wars films, pretty much every Star Wars fan puts Empire at the very top of that list. And then Phantom Menace and Clone Wars all the way at the very bottom. But I think that a lot of fans, like because we love Empire Strikes Back so much, when you rewatch it, that middle part of that movie gets really, really slow and really draggy. And that, I mean, I think that that's like the biggest complaint about The Last Jedi is how that, that whole middle, like the Canto Blight planet with Finn and Rose Tico, yeah. you know, that casino yeah, planet? Yeah, the casino planet. Yeah. How it's, it's just so slow. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was the... And it's, um... it's the beginning that's great and it's the end that's great. But that's like the Empire Strikes Back is the same way. I just, I feel like because we're so far removed from it and because it's so beloved as, um, it's like, you know, yeah. it's like Hollywood's most sacred, like sacred movie in the Hollywood's most sacred saga. No, and, and you know, they, they say, I was reading that, um, cause it is, it is a pretty old movie, but like Empire Strikes Back, like they, it was kind of similarly like divisive when it came out. Like not, it wasn't like immediately recognized as a great movie. And it, it took a little time. Critically it was. Now it is, but I was reading though. I don't know what the, cause I don't have, you know, this was so long ago, but they were saying when it first came out, like in the theaters that people mm-hmm. remembered you know, there being exactly what you said, like people were saying, oh, it's like weird, like it's it was slow. And, and you know, the I felt like the um, the uh, bite Campo Bite, uh, is that what's called Campo Bite? I think it's Canto Blight. Yeah, I think oh, it's the name okay. of the planet. Th- that was kind of like the Cloud City equivalent, um, <laughs> to yeah, you know what I mean. And if you go back to Cloud City, like it, it is the same thing, like. There was someone who was complaining about how events of the Casino City scene start out with something as stupid as a parking ticket. But that mm-hmm. was the same thing in Cloud City. They were they were being chased by what were essentially were traffic cops for not having the right parking like the right permits. And then like they go to Cloud City and then um there there's even a scene where like they just kind of unpack. Like they just go to this waiting room and they just unpack and like have a little talk like you know and it's a really slow boring set of scenes but then now looking back they're like critical scenes uh i i think that's kind of maybe with time and as the expectations around what these movies really are maybe that right maybe that casino scene is good the casino interlude will make will have more will will be will matter more especially because it was you know the two characters that the two main characters in the casino scene were um, Rose Tico. Finn and Rose. Yeah, Finn and Rose. Yeah, and I felt like one of the problems with those movies for me was there were too many characters, and I I care I do like all the characters. I really liked Rose. I loved Finn. In the I'm first with one. you on that. There's too many people, and I think that this is where Ryan Johnson kind of screwed up. It's like he didn't know what to do with Finn in this movie, so let's just let's just throw him in there with Rose Tico, and let's send him off to this casino planet and it's like one of the one of the beauty of the star wars films is that if you don't have something to do with the character like there's no need you can like put them on a different planet but then you can go away from that planet and go do something else yeah which they didn't do with finn and rose like we had to follow them during that whole that whole like subplot which i mean maybe in time i'll like it but for now the only thing i can get out of it is that we needed to get to we needed the codebreaker Benicio del Toro, and we needed that little boy who, at the end of the movie, that closing scene where he picks up the broom mm-hmm. yeah, with, with the force. Yeah, and then and then a whole bunch of social justice commentary was what the whole purpose of that subplot was. 
I you know how did you feel about that? I to be honest, I really liked it actually. I I um I was going to say I think that it's culturally significant. It it, it like it matches it matches where we are right now. I think it does. Like it's a big fuck you to the one percent. Yeah, and and I feel like um and and it's and so much of the movie is about balance between the darkness and the light and and like there's people like Benicio del Toro who are just somewhere in the middle. Remember, and he points out that there's a lot of people on that planet that are just somewhere in the middle. But the, the morally ambiguous. But so his scene is where that comes out is where I mean when you first start to understand that the the code breaker Benito del Toro's sort of you know Han Solo he was he was like Lando and he was like Han Solo sort of in the first Star Wars where he definitely Lando definitely, definitely Lando, Lando yeah and uh and but so- Solo had a similar arc where it was like they were these sort of like un- disinterested um mercenaries and they were just yeah. in for the they didn't want to take sides or whatever and in the first one, I think it was what what Solo was saying was, and this may be where the two differ. What Han Solo was saying was like, "Yo, going up against the Empire is a terrible idea. You're gonna get killed. So if you're smart, mm-hmm. like I know that you th- that the Rebel thing is like a it's a good thing, but it's hopeless. Don't don't bother." And then his arc is like eventually he learns to to sort of believe in you know in Luke and and the other leaders, right? Like he comes around to to seeing oh. The fight is worth it. We can do it. But here, Del Toro, Del Toro, it's it's a little bit more modern in the sense that it's not that Del Toro saying like the rebellion is doomed, so don't bother. He's saying the rebellion is just as fucked up. And you know, yeah, you know, you're you're sitting here. Rose was criticizing um, all these wealthy people for making their money by selling arms to the First Order, and Del Toro's like, uh, actually, they sell X wings to the rebellion too, so it's the same shit. Right, he showed that he showed those holograms. Yeah, and I felt like that. I really like that part because one, that was something that I actually feel like. I, I feel like that's something that's relevant today, and I also felt like that is that they were effective because later on, when Kylo Ren is sort of making his offer to Rey, that sort of suffused the for me like it sort of set the set the sort of moral framework for that that that, for the ambiguity where it's like you're not choosing the dark side you're not choosing you know the rebellion this is something this was all bullshit like we just start over was kind of what he was offering and i feel like that really captures something in where society americans where society is right now this this right with the whole like with everybody kind of falling out of either political party you know no one wants to take a side anymore it sucks to call yourself a liberal it really sucks to call yourself a conservative the democratic party's fucked the republican party's fucked yeah i do think it it does match what we're going through right now politically i think so too so i think they're definitely i was like you i i I walked out of the movie sorry like i walked out of the movie just like really um like well that wasn't really a very Star Warsy film, but then over the past day, I watched it last night. Like, but it's still a Star Wars film. It wasn't very star- like it was to me. Like I, it felt when I first walked out of it, I was like, "That was like a bad Empire Strikes Back reboot." Is how I felt about it, and it was it. It didn't have the sort of tightness, and you know, and I was thinking about like why. Like these movies are beautiful. They're well acted. They're not like the 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 dialogue isn't like fantastic, but neither was the dialogue in the first trilogy. Right. So it wasn't a matter of that. So I was just like, how come it's just not sticking for me? It's the pacing. It's the pacing. I think that Ryan Johnson is a really, really good writer. I think he's just as strong of a writer as Rogue One director um, Gareth Edwards. Yeah. And he made um, he made a movie that inspired a lot of conversation that wasn't happening after J.J. Um, Abrams' Force Awakens. But Gareth Edwards and J.J. Abrams are better at pacing their movies. Like, I think that the pacing is uneven and sloppy. That's true. And they also, I would say that the Canto Blight part, I have no idea how long that entire sequence was, but it felt like, it felt like for a full 45 minutes, it was just so slow and I was bored and I wanted to leave the theater. And it also, like that whole horse race through the casino, it really gave off some serious prequel vibes. Oh, the pod racing stuff. Yeah, yeah, it did. And oh, and God. also, did, did you hard. 
was it me or was the like this is supposedly like the epicenter of like wealth and elite uh, uh, the elite of the galaxy and that yeah, they kept talking about how what how beautiful it was and i was like no way like the island planet is way prettier um all, all even jaku was better looking than this this just looks like a giant this just looks like a giant prequel remember that remember that city in phantom menace how how horrible that looked which one the like uh, the club the, the phantom menace that when um oh oh when you mean Obi-Wan when he's on um, were at the Coruscant? Club. when he like falls to the bottom y- level and goes, yes yeah, 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 yeah. oh that's that's what it reminded me of it's so bad mm. and like as a casino it looked one it looked too much like a like a casino <laughs> like it, it didn't you know like it looked like they had freak they were playing freaking roulette you know and and slot machines i was like yo this is the freaking gallic galactic epicenter of like gaming and you know hedonism and you're playing fucking you're pulling slot machines this is so there were like four there were like four craps like this dude was playing craps and there were it was like I was like, it doesn't even look good. It looked like a pretty cheap off off the strip. Yeah, so I think that that's I think that's where you and I are having trouble. It's like when the movie did well, like it it did really 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 well, but the parts where the movie bombed, it like really bombed. It did. I and I then was, the pacing. I was thinking that the the, the part that it makes it la- it makes it feel like that Canto Blight sequence just lasts forever, and it, it really does. If if they had asked me to direct it. <laughs> I would have I would have replaced Canto Blight with more of the origin story, the scenes at the at the Jedi Temple that takes place the, the flashback where it explains the origin of Kylo Ren and Luke, uh, their their relationship and the connection, and because they had it's such an important story and it it really like is the emotional and moral center of the movie right and those two those two so this was like i felt like this movie was more luke skywalker's send-off than it was leia's send-off but that's probably because i mean she they didn't know she they didn't know that princess leia was gonna die (laughs) yeah yeah i mean they didn't realize that carrie fisher was gonna die so it was written as a send-off for luke skywalker like this this really felt like his movie it did yeah and the flashback stuff you know where it's like where i guess his name is ben solo pre kylo ren like you know he's sleeping you know on the floor and then he kind of looks there and there's like a pretty weird like luke looks weird he looks like a texas ranger if you ask me he don't look like a jedi he looks like <laughs> he looks a bit like chuck with Norris. the long hair yeah and the, that that <laughs> beard but he got so he goes in and there's this moment where he's scared of what solo is this is his best friends this is his nephew right this is his nephew yeah and 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 the father his brother-in-law is like his best friend and his sister is the freaking princess and he's gonna kill him how 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 is it like this is setting to me like the that's the that's the complete anchor for like the rest of the trilogy right or the whole trilogy really because it gives you it 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 makes the first movie you know different like if you go back and watch the first movie it's going to be a little bit it's going to feel a little different knowing this about Kylo Ren how can they just leave it to this one little cheap shot like it there was it was a really ugly and short and not very well done shot of that moment and that's like all we have and then i think they showed it maybe two times like they showed it from from uh Kylo Ren or Ben Solo's perspective, and then they showed it from Luke Skywalker's perspective. I mean, okay, so basically, Ben Solo had not yet, he was conflicted, but he had not yet turned to the dark side. And so when he woke up and he saw Luke Skywalker standing over him with his lightsaber, it was, it was like the timing was that Luke Skywalker was considering killing him, but couldn't go through with it. But Ben Solo woke up, saw Luke standing over him with his lightsaber, and that's when he turned to the dark side completely. And that's when Luke Skywalker essentially created Kylo Ren. That's, uh, I mean, that's a pretty amazing, that's a pretty cool story, uh, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, because it totally changes what you think of Luke, like. It changes what you think of for the entire Skywalker family because there's only one Skywalker left and he's also the only villain left in the whole galaxy. Yeah. Like there are no more villains at the end of this movie. It's it's just 
it's just Kylo Ren. And he's the, he's, yeah, he's the only Skywalker left, ironically. A lot of things come full circle in this movie. But what I don't understand is Leia's still alive. <laughs> Are they gonna... So they did have a tribute to her in the credits. Like, the, the very first thing that you see is this movie is dedicated to our princess, Carrie Fisher. Uh, so she's not going to be I don't know what they're going to do for episode 9 J.J. Abrams is going to be directing episode 9 and they're just going to have to write her out I don't know how right right I mean I, I kind of like the fact that they're going away from the Skywalker thing there was this there oh I am too yeah when you go so whenever I would go back and watch the original trilogy Luke's character is the one that would get on my nerves the most yeah. I don't know why I think it's because when you put him because he was so young mm-hmm. and when you put him next to Sir Alec Guinness and James Earl Jones and Harrison Ford, he's just like this kid that can't act. You know, they already have, they're such heavy hitters. I liked, and then, I liked him in the here, first but one. But here, mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, he's got, he's got the gravitas, he's got the pathos, and he carries it like the legend that he is in Star Wars lore. Star Wars lore like that final battle scene where there's a showdown between him and Kylo Ren, and it turns out that he's using the Force to project his image across the galaxy. I don't know about your theater, but in our theater, the audience was loving it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, as yeah, a yeah. Fan, yeah you, get that, you get that feeling like, yo, this is Luke motherfucking Skywalker. Like, this movie was his send-off. I did complain after first seeing the movie that if he was going to die anyway, why didn't he just show up and fight Kylo Ren in real life and just go down in a blaze of glory? But I guess that Ryan Johnson thought that um, that would be too much like Obi-Wan losing to Darth Vader. And they can't just keep doing that, you know? Yeah, and it just it would like because this is he would have died. Because for, he this is a di- new way for a Jedi to die. I think I think he couldn't do that because like you know he he would have gone out. They would have shot the shit out of him, and then he would have just been like a bloody pulp. And that's just not a good way for him to go. Like it's just too it's just too messy. And then he would have actually right, had to is... put up with a fight. Like he instead he 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 get. I think the reason he didn't put him he didn't go there is because it he they wanted to show he could use the force in a sort of in that non-violent kind of way. way yeah like in that kind of way yeah yeah um and then he sort of dies in a in a in a sort of peaceful like he's just sort of ascends mm-hmm. so i like that and i like the fact that he was weird he wasn't <laughs> a weird old man and he was dude like i know he was drinking breast milk from a sea from like a sea lion <laughs> like what was that that was fucking hilarious and weird as shit <laughs> That was was one of the weirdest parts of the movie. It was like green milk, too. It was fucking weird. And then they both looked at Ray like, don't judge us. Like, both, like, the, not only (laughs) did he look at her, the, the sea lion thing looked at her and was just like, what? (laughs) This is what we do. (laughs) It was so funny. Um, and then he was, he was just fucking with her when she, when she was, when, um, when she totally had no idea what he meant about reach out, you know, and she sticks her starts touching her with the with the, with the branch <laughs> the feather yeah the feather the branch. she's and like, she's oh, like feel oh you meant like, yeah, yeah, reach out like and she taps her heart <laughs> yeah i liked it because i felt what did like, you think about you know, yoda coming back it was not it was that was very sad in a way uh to me because um yeah. it yeah it was kind of sad to see in a way uh because you're like you know, fuck, man. Like, uh, Yoda's really, really old, <laughs> and he's this is his last. Like, the, you know, Luke is the this final. This is probably going to be the last time we ever see Yoda again in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, and then he destroys all of those old texts and is just like, yeah, it didn't really matter. I mean, we're gone anyway, and it lived up to the name. Well, the I last don't Jedi. think that he destroyed them because they're actually. It looks like it looks like Ray got them on the Millennium Falcon because at the very end, ah. when Finn gets a blanket for Rose, yes. he opens that closet. Yes, and you see like you see the text in there. It's so. the same binding, right? It's the same books. Yeah. Okay, so mm. what I loved about the Yoda scene was that it was an actual puppet and not CGI. Mm. I read that they had to fight for that. Mm-hmm. They wanted it to be like that cute little puppet that he was. In the original trilogy. And it was Frank Oz. It was the same voice. Yeah. And it's an awful voice. I think voice. That the Yoda part's really important for the movie because it's very poignant. Because he gives Luke his one last lesson as a Jedi before Luke ultimately sacrifices himself for the Resistance. I, I think you're right. I think, And it shows, it puts Luke... It was a very teacher-student moment for them. Yeah, and I just like the fact that Luke was still his like disciple. Like, he wasn't... He didn't become the new Yoda. 
You know, he wasn't yeah. like the ultimate. He still was this guy that had a lot of like fucked up, you know, co- conflicts and, you know. Um yeah, I really liked Luke after this movie, to be honest. I I thought um Same. I felt I felt very differently. I was like this is this is Luke all grown up and yeah. this is this is his movie. You know, it's funny because like apparently you know all the all the people you're talking about. I mean, Alec Guinness is dead. Uh, uh, Harrison Ford obviously has had a much bigger. You know, he has he's done a lot of other movies, and you know, Han Solo is just a mm-hmm. sort of one one entry in his career. Yeah, Carrie Fisher kind of did her thing too, but like Luke, apparently, she's more of a writer than an actress. She's a great writer, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mark Hamill was a bit of a, a legend and a hero to the hardcore side, like Star Wars fandom universe, like. He was yeah. he was always the one going to like the things and he really embraced being Luke uh, and he never was yeah. he never turned into one of those um, actors who were like oh I got pigeonholed I was Luke Skywalker and now that's just what I am and it's like this <laughs> yeah he was like no fuck it I'm Luke I love it I love Star Wars so I feel like Mark Hamill uh, over time became kind of like a, a folk hero for like super fans and so I yeah. feel like that's why they gave him. A movie almost to, to such a send off like this yeah 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 and it worked but you know this being an asian american podcast <laughs> we should talk about the the um asian representation because it's it's uh okay. pretty striking don't you think like i really uh it is so there's the only two asian guys i saw in the entire movie were in the first order and only for like two seconds each yeah they were just kind of in the background uh officers and stuff right yeah like no barely barely there uh-huh. yep Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose Tico. Oh, and um, her sister, yes. uh, Paige Tico, mm-hmm. the opening scene. Famous actress in her own right, from what I understand. It's those two. Yeah, from Q. Yeah. What's her name? It's she's she has a Vietnamese name. She's a she's an actress from Vietnam. Uh, is okay. what, what I was learning from Q today on the Slack, and so she she she's her sister, right? And she's the she's the badass, right? Isn't her sister the the actual the sister pilot? is a pilot? Yeah, yeah. She's a pilot, and um, Rose Tico is a um, is, is she like a, a maintenance? Person yeah, she's like a... she's she's all like just doing the back in the resistance. She's like operational support. Yeah. She's the one that's got to go in the back and do all the mechanical shit, which is telling in a way that. And she's her sister. Her the the sister is. I mean, if you look at pictures of them together, because they did go, to, I think, to the premiere together. You know, mm-hmm. the her sister, the one who plays her sister, is like tall, slender, really glamorous, and Kelly Marie Tran is like shorter and a little boyish little nerdy like she doesn't have that classic on the red carpet i thought she looked great she looks great she but very she, glam she, no, but she's like she doesn't she's not your typical, in the movie they definitely they nerd her up for the movie they nerd her up for the movie and she's um she's like a how do i put she's like a she's like a tech geek basically you know her knowledge like one of her strengths in the movie is her knowledge of the tech technology that the empire yeah. uses and that's sort of her strength is her her nerdy tech knowledge and she there's a really good scene where she comes out and she's telling uh when she meets finn that those are pretty nice like i thought they gave her really good lines about how she lost her sister and you know um you know she she has to honor her sister by committing to the rebellion she spends all her time like she's she just gets really it really offends her personally when she saw these people trying to get into the escape pods remember do you remember that part and then when she, I do. And then when she gets the f- hint that Finn is trying to, she's like amazed because this is the guy that defected from the uh, first order, right? But then she gets us, she gets the hint that he's actually trying to take the, the pot out, and she just like fucking caps his ass. She has this political, she has this pol- like commitment to being a resistance person, a res- like a resistor, a rebellion, a, re- a rebel, and yeah. She almost teaches. Oh yeah, she believes. Mm-hmm. She believes in the resistance, and she's disappointed that she feels that Finn doesn't. Yeah, like he was. But really, he's just trying to go look for Ray. He's not. Re- he's not defecting. He just he wants to go look for her. Right, right. Though he was a ab- but yes, but he was sort of abandoning hope for that group. Right. He like he was mm-hmm. he was abandoning hope. I thought that was interesting. Like how it ends too. Like with between the two of them. In the end, where she, I'm gonna preface this by saying that I love Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran, I love her, but 
I was not feeling that weak ass kiss at the end. Oh, the little the little henpeck, and then and then oh, like <laughs> she then passing out. And she just passes out. Yeah. Like I actually felt more emotion for her sister who died in the first five minutes of the movie than with Rose. Like I might come back and feel really differently. Who knows? But right now, that's where I am. Like I think a lot of it has to do with her interfering with Finn's suicide mission in the final battle scene, and then her starting up this little love triangle between her, Finn, and Rey. I hate to say it, but I kind of wish she died when she intercepted Finn. I don't even know if it's her fault, but I just hmm. I don't feel any chemistry between her and, and him, not as a budding romance or like as a hijinks adventure subplot. Like, I don't... It felt a little I'm forced, not yeah. It, there. it felt a little forced. But it was about as... I mean, that kiss was about as... Honestly, like, you know, Luke and Leia kissed. Do you remember that in Empire? Like, it was, like, yeah, like the super innocent, you know, almost like a brother-sister Luke and Leia kind of kiss. Uh, though, I guess technically at that time, they didn't know. Yeah, I felt like the kiss was, like, intentionally platonic. Um, and, uh, I, you know, maybe there was this expectation that they were going to go, like, they went halfway, right? Like, it wasn't, like, a full... There was no real romantic subplot, but then well, there was no, this kiss. Well, no, because mm-hmm. right, because when she when she kissed him, he doesn't seem to reciprocate. He's kind of just staring at her, and he's just like, "Oh," and then he drags I, her back into the cave. Which I I have a question about. Like, how did he get Rose's body back inside the uh, the rebel base? Like, did he go did he go around all of the uh, walkers and like? The Kylo Ren and the, the <laughs> yeah. like, did he go around Kylo Ren and uh, Mark Hamill or uh, Luke Skywalker? Like, the entire the entire First Order is outside. Like, how did they not see them? <laughs> right, right, right. And I mean, I, I guess they just weren't paying attention to it. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> how they like, get in there? Yeah. Um, but the th- you know the th- okay closing thought on Rose. I would say that. Um, Thinking about how she was written as a character, like, I feel like she w- there was a lot of intention put into the character and how she was written, who she was, uh, that made her, I think, an intentionally some kind of model of an actual Asian American or Asian Canadian or Asian diaspora uh, girl. Okay, because like okay. one is the f- one I would say that, you know, she feels like this you know she, that that part where she says that she just spends all day like dealing with tech shit and she's behind the scenes yeah i think is an allusion to this feeling i think by a lot of asian women that they don't they're not really ever in the you know We're the, their stories are never front and central yeah they're they're, they're rendered invisible and i feel like that's what okay that's she a was good point saying. yeah so she she feels rendered invisible and then yet and then she says um and 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 also like this how she's rendered invisible. She's like playing support. So her heart is in it. She's like committed to it, whatever it is, right? In this mm-hmm. case, the rebellion. But she has the heart for it and the commitment for it, but yet she's still rendered invisible. So there's a sort of like, you know, there's that there's that aspect of her. And then the 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 other part was when she was talking about um her parents. Uh, didn't she say, I forgot what the backstory was, but she kind of came from like a hard background and that's why she had, remember when she was explaining, uh, she was giving her sort of political explanation of, of her view of Campbellbite and how she didn't see it for this amazing tribute to, you know, the achievements of all these rich people, but like she knows because of the way she grew up, I forgot what the story was, but That's she right, had a lot of sympathy. She, and then, and then they go over to those kids. Those yeah, kids, like in the she really stables. had a sympathy for the kids and for the, and also for those the like animals. space horses, the animals. Yeah, <clears throat> and I feel like that was sort of an explanation of, you know, um, a, 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 a sort of it's it's a it's like a stereotype, but like a good a, like a. An attempt to capture real Asian American identity, I think. I'm, I'm not saying it totally succeeded, but it, there was seemed to me like an attempt to say she was kind of like an immigrant. Yeah. She came from these sort of humble beginnings, right? So there was an attempt to sort of make her character like from humble origins. And so I felt like... I mean, like- that definitely makes me relate to her character more when you put it that way. 
Yeah, and and I, I that's how I was kind of viewing her at like as I was thinking about her more and more, and uh, and I felt like there must have been writer intention to make the character that way. So mm-hmm. I guess thumbs up to that because I felt like they did try and put real thought. Whether one thinks that it was successful or not is one thing, but I do feel that at some point in the writer room, there was a decision to be like, let's take her Asian. Let's take the fact that she's Asian seriously and see if we can translate that somehow meaningfully into the story. So that was my okay. That's my feeling about her. All right. I think that's interesting. Um, thank you. So with her, thank with you. her and the with her and the Finn thing, it's like Finn is all slapsticky in this movie. Like he wakes up from his coma and he's like leaking fluid everywhere. Yeah. And then I feel like they can't figure out what they want to do with Finn in this movie. Is he a hero? Is he the comic relief? Is he is he a ladies man? You know? Yeah, I, they can't. I, they I, haven't I, they haven't figured out what to do with his character. I think. I just, I, yeah, I don't think he was given that much to do other than to be like a companion to Rose, who really got the spotlight. So I can't complain about that. You know, they 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 seeded a lot of space for her, uh, which I think is is a good thing. Um, Same with Poe Dameron. That, when you were saying that there's too many oh, characters yeah. in the movie, it's like after the opening scene, you really don't need Poe Dameron in the movie anymore. Which sucks because I I really like Poe Dameron. I, I like Oscar Isaac. I love his character. Yeah, yeah, I love him. And he had some of the he could have stolen the movie. Like his scenes are that good. He, like you know, he, he just has, has the he right. has a great. He opens the movie. You know, he's he's the pilot, and then he's in the battle scene. He goes against General Leia's orders, and then he's got that um, he's got that phone call where he's fucking with Hux. So he opens the movie great, and then it's like he has nothing to do for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> there was a. I don't want to get too read too much into the uh, the 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 political aspect of this movie, but like. What about, I, I I thought it was interesting the dynamic he had with um uh, what was her name the the Laura Dern character the one who sort of uh, becomes Holda. like Holda Holda yeah so there, it's really Admiral? interesting there's is a, it Admiral Holda I think Commander Holda or something like that okay. and she she basically it's really interesting because if you think about what happens so he's this he's sort of the star right like of the rebellion yeah. he's the ace pilot he's the you know. And so they're sitting around and they get news. It's almost like a work. I felt like it was like a work meeting where they announced that Akbar and Leia are all, you know, they're, yeah. they're all at it. So it's like a work meeting, you know? And Oh, God and- bless Akbar. He didn't get enough. He didn't get enough. <laughs> no, Akbar. No, he didn't. Yeah, he, he's become. Uh, he went to. He got cheated. Squid- he's in Squid Heaven. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Poor Akbar. It was like, come you know? on, it's Akbar. How could they do but this you know- to him? Do you know Squid? They they can have like a million children though. He's fine. Um, <laughs> they just the average Squid lifespan is only like three months anyway. They just keep coming. They just keep coming back. Uh, oh my they, they, god! Akbar was only uh, you know Akbar was only two months old. No. But so he, <laughs> and so um so they're at this meeting and they promote Laura Dern uh Holder. They promote her. And she has purple hair and she's wearing like these flowing robes and she's got like this boho vibe. And he just completely underestimates her. Like she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's like, it's a total like workplace environment. How does, how does the, (laughs) you know, AMOG alpha guy deal with, you know, Laura Dern in her, you know, with the, with the hippy dippy woman getting promoted over him. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of plays into, you know, he, he, he kind of, um, you kind of side with him in a way. And they, they set her up to be like this complete, completely like untrustworthy, really just, just terrible, weak leader until, yeah. and I, and I, 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 I myself found myself feeling that way. Like, oh yeah, go, yeah, good mutiny, this. Uh, and I felt that that was a good, Ryan Johnson did a good job in making that turnaround. In, in her redemption, because her redemption is probably the single most exciting scene in that entire movie, if you remember Ooh, what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. I wouldn't call it the single most exciting scene in the movie. It it's was one close, of the, though. It's, that was well, pretty it was spectacular. one of the best scenes in the movie, but I would say that Luke Skywalker gets best scene in the movie, followed by um, Kylo Ren and um, Rey 
Ray Low, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> battling, <Lo>. those, um, <laughs> battling those uh, those red stormtroopers in Snoke's chambers. You mean that modern interpretive dance sequence? <laughs> okay, it was beautiful, okay, so but I, the martial arts the, were the terrible. Fight scenes, yeah. The fight scenes were so much better after all that like relentless spinning and flipping in all the prequels. That's true. Uh, I mean, it was pretty to look at, but it, it looked really staged. Um, and uh, Snoke was... Oh, I uh, loved it. The Snoke? No, I loved that whole battle scene in Snoke's chambers. I love the lightsaber battle. It, no, it was cool. It was just very... You can't have a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber battle. Yes, but that one was... It looked like a really cool music video. That's what the kids like these days, teen. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It was an interpretive dance. It was very artistic. It was beautiful. It was beautifully done. Um, the red Praetorian Guard. Like I always wanted to see them in action because in the original they is that so what they're cool. called? I guess I could Praetorian never Guard, remember yeah. what. They're... Okay, okay. They're in the original. They if look, you remember, they but they cool. just stand to the side. That's some good design. It was really cool. Snoke was not the greatest. He he had a really creepy robe, and I kept feeling like he was gonna Hugh Hefner. Like... Hugh Hefner. He, he was that, Hugh Hefner. That costume it. Yeah. was based on Hugh Hefner. What a waste yeah. of Andy Serkis, by the way. I know. Yeah, it wasn't good. And he, he was cast. He was totally like casting, casting, couching uh, Ray. That was a casting couch scene there where he like he was just making her do shit i would put this he's like hugh hefner and voldemort put together and a little bit weinstein is what snokes is there's a little weinstein in him too yeah (laughs) little weinstein too (laughs) yeah i i still think though we need to talk about ray while we're on it yes ray yeah so the number one question in this entire trilogy is who the hell is ray and where did she really come from I think that there's going to be a little bit more to her backstory, even though it turns out that she is not like, she's not like one of those pure blood, like she doesn't have this imperial lineage the way Ben Solo does, the way that Anakin did, you know, he was like born of the force. I forgot, I forgot Anakin's background. Didn't they just, they didn't, wasn't he kind of like on a Jakku type planet as well? And he, he was, was just um, like a... Uh, well, his mother was, was basically a slave and he was also a slave. But remember, um, he was, he, he doesn't have a father. It's like the force impregnated a human woman. And oh, that's how right. Anakin came to be. He's like the oh, chosen God, one. Oh, seriously? He yeah. was an immaculate conception? Seriously? Yeah. I forgot that part. Wow. Okay. That's because nobody ever watches Phantom Menace more than once. Right. <laughs> it's hard That's to listen why. to that stuff yeah the midichlorian stuff um midichlorians yeah so it, it that just goes oh. against the whole prequel thing like you don't so as a fan i think that if she was chosen by the force and she doesn't have any kind of special lineage i'd like to know why she was chosen so we're gonna have to have to go into some backstory either way like if 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 kylo ren is lying about who her parents are but doesn't want to tell her because it would make her feel more empowered if she knew her parents weren't just some junk traders. Um, no, we didn't find out. We didn't find out who Luke and Leia, we didn't find out that they were brother and sister until the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. I'm not saying that Rey and Kylo Ren are brother and sister. I don't think so. But if they are at all related, I mean, we, we have until the end of episode nine to find out. I was telling you, I actually would think that's kind of cool because I like I like the sibling, the dynamic, which they had mm-hmm. in Thor- uh, the Ragnarok. Well, they also Chet have it here the... because remember, remember how at the at the end of um, Empire Strikes Back, remember how he like he like speaks to Leia using the Force, and then yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kylo yeah, yeah. Ren exactly. and Rey to, to... can also talk to each other and see each other through the Force. So they have a connection, but Snoke's basically put it as he's the one that created that that bind between them that there wasn't any real bind without him yeah well he thinks that but turns out the guy's a chump and he could have been kylo could have just been stronger than him anyway as he turned out snoke turns out to be like a total fraud basically i guess the placeholder so so ray ray her whole story is still unanswered you know the number one question in the entire trilogy Still doesn't have an answer. Yeah. We're just going to have to wait till the end of episode nine to find out who she is and where did she really come from. I, it's good to know because when I left the theater, I, I actually felt like I missed uh, what the explanation was. I was asking, I was like, wait, so wait, is who, are they related or not? I don't understand. Like, I thought I missed it, but I guess it's supposed to be an open question. Like that we're not supposed yeah. to know. Do you like Kylo Ren unmasked or masked better? I like him unmasked. Uh, I think his, 
Yeah, I think masked. He doesn't. He doesn't carry uh a, as much. It looks like a deprecated Vader. Yeah. And I just, I just didn't. I like the part where Snoke just tells him your your helmet's ridiculous because I, I just felt like it hides. It, I don't think it's good for Adam Driver because like you know the real Vader was really driven by the voice acting. Uh, yeah. You know, James Earl Jones was definitely not in that suit. But here, I think you want to showcase Adam Driver a bit because uh, mm-hmm. he has, like, he just has really good, you know, he's he's a good actor. So he's, I feel like he's he an, just... He is a great actor. He is such a good Kylo Ren. Yeah. Uh, he's such a good and, Kylo Ren. I'm so glad that they got rid of all the other villains. Yeah, and, and it would have been a waste to, I think, hide him behind the mask. And then that, that really staticky little voice changer he has there like i don't know why it's so poor quality um i mean it's like it sounds like um it sounds like do you remember do you remember that kanye west song runaway do you remember like the dying cyborg part at the end of the song yeah Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me yeah it's it's awful so i like him without the mask okay what about you you like you liked it i like the mask but that's just because my favorite character in all of star wars is obviously darth vader it's just so ex- like in Rogue One at the very end, at the the very final scene when um when they start to connect it to a New Hope, and it gets all oh, dark, God, and then yeah. you hear the you hear the breathing, and then you see the red lightsaber. Oh, I got such chills! I love that part. You know that was like a horror movie. Uh, when they got to the end of Rogue One, it was actually scary. I loved it because when I was a kid, the first scene in A New Hope scared the shit out of me because it was like a horror mm-hmm. movie. Where he mm-hmm. starts, he goes in and he just chokes the shit out of people, and he, yeah. and he talks to like dead bodies, like they're like this guy's serious shit. And the way that he was, um, they actually film in the end of Rogue One, they show him killing off more of those guards. It's sort of like before he breaks into that door, the yeah. hit, it's like right before it's like right before his first appearance in A New Hope, and the way he's using the force and just knocking him around, it was like a scene from like Insidious or something. It was like frightening. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad they brought that fear back because Darth Vader is a ho- is a monster from a horror movie. Kylo Ren is not. Kylo Ren, I think, is someone that we're supposed to. He's still very find much a boy. Humanity in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a humanity in him, and we're and we're supposed. He's not supposed to be the the completely you know scary monster that uh, Vader yeah. was. So Ryan Johnson, I had a. Uh... I really doubted him as a director because I was not a fan of him before this. I did not care for Brick and I did not care for Looper. But he has shown that he was willing to take some really serious risks. J.J. Um, Abrams is a great director and he played it really safe with The Force Awakens. It was basically just like a theme park ride to generate the nostalgia and the excitement for the new Star Wars franchise because people were people were really skeptical because of how terrible the prequels were received. So Force Awakens set the mood, got everyone excited. They got re- you know they 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 uh they wrote really likable characters like Rey and BB-8, Poe Dameron. They wrote really fascinating um antagonists like Kylo Ren and uh people loved it because it was fun. But uh, The Last Jedi really has people talking. Uh, I I think that what Johnson has effectively done, and it's a major theme in the movie, is like he always talks about it. It's like out with the old and in with the new. So yeah, he's there's no reveling in the past. It's like it's down with the Jedi. Um, I mean, basically down with all the Skywalkers. And he's he's uh, he's reinventing the Star Wars franchise. He's breaking with tradition. Yeah, I think he, he uh I agree. I think Skywalkers here are a bit like the Clintons. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the the First Order is a little bit like the alt right. So <laughs> or the Republican Party or something. I don't I know. Mean, I can't help That's like the, what they're stuff, supposed but. to be, right? Like they're Nazis yeah. originally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah totally so this is I think also like I, the most divisive Star Wars film ever. I mean it's got like it's got people, like, everywhere. Like, if you look, I don't know, you you and I are both on Twitter. Have you seen what people are saying about it? Like, oh, my God, I have to have a funeral for my childhood. <laughs> I've seen a lot of alt-right hate for it. Um, there's, there, I, I mean, oh, I... Oh, what are they I, saying? I, well, it's... 
like for example, one thing that I saw was um pick, like making fun of Laura Dern's appearance, saying like um purple hair is adorable on a fourteen year old, but not for the commander of you know an army and uh, you know stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of misogynistic and racial trolling of it. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran got you know a lot of hate. Like Wikipedia got wikipedia you know it's like wiki you can go in and edit it like someone just went in and just yeah. completely vandalized her her entry and, and wikipedia had to shut actually lock her account because oh. every time they try to undo it people would go back and just say all this racist shit she's from ching chong china and all you know blah 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 yeah. so yeah i think there is to i think there definitely is some tr- and, and there was there was residue of this in the in the other films as well that this was revisionist uh, that this was caving to um, political correctness and trying to please everyone, market-based type of stuff saying, you know, they just trying to make this movie sell more tickets by putting more women into it. And that's why this sort of market-based approach has ruined it, which is, you know, I mean, that's just what it is. That's 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 the reaction that you're going to oh. get, which... Heaven yeah. forbid we have more women and people of color going to the movies. <laughs> I like the fact that this is happening because to me it tells me it makes me like uh, respect the movie more uh, because it does. If you get if you're getting this kind of clapback, you know it means that you you are you know to the extent that you're saying Ryan Ryan Johnson is trying to push this story in a new direction. Getting clapback from the alt right is like the right kind of wind wind in your face. Like it, I think it means you're pointing in the right direction and you're going fast so yeah. I, I i i, I take that as a sign um so i do believe that there is cla- there is uh there uh, to me there's probably two reasons why people are 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 dismissing or or hating on the movie one is that two is someone like me where i like i, I still think that a significant portion of the fan base is still centered around the original trilogy and yeah. just can't seem to wrap their head around this being a new a new trilogy altogether a new set of movies in a different you can't, time you can't run on nostalgia forever you have to have you have to the story has to move forward yeah i think that's that's true you can't capture because you know there the star wars one of the things that i was thinking about like when i was, I was like why do i like the original so much there was a sort of 70s-ness to it that imbues itself into like the characters, like the characters are fundamentally people from the 70s, right? Like, and the directors and the art directors, they're, they're, it was from the 70s, which is why I think when you go back and look at uh, the f- first one in particular, there's such an otherworldliness to it that can't be replicated because that otherworldliness stems from the goddamn 1970s and how weird that decade was. And so, yeah. you know, and, and so I think... You, you can't recreate the original because the original was a product of the 70s. And um, like you're right, you can't just run on that nostalgia forever. It'll uh, just be a crutch, you know? And it's been, it's been like, it's been 40 years. It's been 40 years since um, A New Hope came out. So I think it's time. I agree with, um, I agree with what Ryan Johnson was trying to do. Like, it's time to let them go. And it's time to continue the story with new characters and new stories. And it's a, it's a new era. Well, you'll be happy because I think they just gave him his entire separate trilogy. It's like a it's like a Star Wars universe, but independent trilogy. Like it won't really tie into any of this stuff. Did you did you see that? Interesting. Yeah, I didn't, he's I getting didn't an hear entire, about that, no. Yeah, because they're going full uh, expanded universe, cinematic universe style on Star Wars. Yeah. So... These are like the Avengers movies, the, the the sort of core spine of the universe. But then he's going to get a totally separate trilogy in its own right, sort of like, you know, an Iron Man type story or something like that. So it'll be pretty cool. You know what I cannot understand? So I get, I like, I'm excited for that Boba Fett standalone movie, but I cannot understand why they're doing a Han Solo movie. Nobody cares about it. I'll watch Boba Fett. I don't want to watch a Han Solo movie though. Oh uh, no, there's there's some diehard there's some diehard uh, Han Solo fans because the the first one uh, or the first uh, the the original trilogy hints at some pretty interesting backstories 
like you know like when he talks with lando about their old days how he won it in a in a in a poker game kind of thing and yeah. um there was there was all this stuff about his legendary days as a smuggler and he was the first one to ever do this sort the kessel run in you know however many parsecs or whatever like there's there's a lot of like interesting backstory to this guy in the original that i think a lot of fans have always wanted to see uh you know to to see it on 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 film so i think it's, it's i think it's meant to satisfy an audience demand uh this to, to find out what that kessel perfect run was. opportunity for them to make a funny star wars movie then oh, is yeah. with the han solo movie like a caper type shit yeah yeah i would love to see it to be funny yeah cuz han solo was hilarious yeah he was so right now, so I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes, and it has a 54% audience score. And um, just for reference, The Phantom Menace has a 59% audience score, and that movie sucks. Um, I think critic. So I, fans are really divided, but critics are in agreement. It, the critics' score is at 93%, which puts it on par with. Um, that's only one percent behind Empire Strikes Back. Do you I, think I mean, that? Do you think that the audience score? Do you think that the Last Jedi is a victim of review bombing on Rotten Tomatoes? Like review bombing is when is when the haters will go on and use bots to to go in and skew the user score, the audience score. Or do I you mean, think that the audience is really that divided? Uh, I mean. <sighs> I mean, I take it at face value, right? Like there were there were uh, people saying that that's exactly what they were doing. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, there there was a Facebook account saying of a guy saying that that's exactly what he was going to do. He was using bots to to destroy the uh, audience rating. And uh, I'm not. We'll see because I like I would have thought that those same people like they would have had the same objection to the first one to uh, the Force Awakens. Uh-huh. So. If they were bombing this one, I I, I guess the only qu- I mean I believe that they are, but the, my only question then is why didn't they bomb the first one? Because the first one seems to have a pretty high audience has ha, audience approval rate. I think one of you know it could be that the audiences actually are a little bit divided uh, beyond the critics, because I I still think that for people like that are really committed to that were really looking for sequels like me like that were looking for more of the original Star Wars. Uh-huh. It's not a fu- it's not really a fulfilling movie that way. Um, so I, I could see people like me going in and kind of being rather negative about the movie, saying like, "This isn't Star Wars. What the hell is this?" You know. <laughs> so I still, I mean, I wouldn't rate the movie very high. To be, I mean, I've said positive things about it only because I think that it's it's more me than the movies. Like, I think this is a good movie. I just can't see it because all I see is Star Wars, like the original, you know, the original, and yeah. I just cannot excise. I can't not see a, a bad version of Empire Strikes Back in my head, which is exactly what it is if you think this movie is Empire Strikes Back retold, you know, which it's not. So, I think that uh, I think you should rewatch Empire Strikes Back. You mean oh, to see like you're saying because I might see how it's also like have the same. Well, that's like, what I did. I watched. I, I saw. I saw the Last Jedi over the weekend. And then um, after thinking and talking about The Last Jedi for the past, like, five days, uh, yeah. I decided to watch, um, to rewatch Empire Strikes Back to see how they match up. And I think you should do that. Okay. I have a, I have a copy so of it. Try so it out. I, uh, yeah. I will watch it. I will watch it. Um, last time I saw the, uh, I saw it, I, re- I, I did rewatch the Han Solo Leia um, almost kiss scene, like, on the, on the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. And yeah. it was part of it was part of this great YouTube series where the guy was basically saying, if you really look at it from a dispassionate perspective, Han Solo was being pretty rapey because she said no to him six times. <laughs> I was cracking up. So you'll see that on uh, Instagram too. People will be like, "Oh, you know, this scene is now considered rape." Uh, like they're just it's it's hard to um it's hard to fight. Like people that have like ingrained just biases, like they'll always win on the on like social like on Instagram and uh, not on Instagram, sorry, on yeah. on, twi- on Twitter, because yeah. th- it's one liners and you know one liners are always easy when people are already biased to you, you know. So 
Yeah. <laughs> Just do yeah. it for the retweets. Oh, Han, Le- Han raped Leia, huh? I'm like, hey, hey watch the evidence. There's, there, it's it's actually a pretty convincing video. It's on this thing called Pop Culture Detective Agency, which I, I love, by the way. And it, it's a, like, I'm very skeptical because I love that scene. Uh, and I was like, wait, no, yeah, no, she did say no like six times. Yeah, yep, yep. I think she was uh, relieved that C-3PO showed up to, uh, <laughs> to save her. <laughs> That concludes another episode of the Escape from Plan A podcast. You should check out our website, planamag.com, for articles. And uh, we'll have a whole bunch of top five lists coming up at the end of the year. If you like what you hear, subscribe, leave us a review, rate us. You know, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at planamag. And we will bring back a new, or we'll bring you a new episode next week. 